Well, I'm going to actually jump right into the Word this morning with you. I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. We'll talk over some kind of housekeeping stuff, and then we'll get into the Word today. Father God, we give you praise and glory uh, just for the joy that we have in worshiping you, just for a chance to have um, some abandon like children and to be who we are. We have such a tendency as adults to get stuck in who who we think we have to be. And yet your word says that you made us, that you knit us together in in our mother's womb, and that you have called us forth to bring glory and praise to you. And so, Father, today I thank you so much for the kids and for Dan for leading us in that time of worship. And uh, I pray a blessing over it. I pray, pray a blessing over our hearts, Father, that we might become more eager to worship you. Today, as we open your word, we believe it speaks truth into our lives. We believe that we have to be conformed to your word, transformed in our minds. And so we give you this time and this place for that purpose. And everything that we come in with, we pray we would leave it at your cross and at your feet, that we could fully trust you and love you and be more like you. We pray these things confidently in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, uh, so this is the last week of our sermon uh, series we've been talking about. It kind of turned into a series. It didn't necessarily start that way. And um, it was on like uh, being the church or, or it specifically the goal, I'm not sure how well we did, was to talk about ways that we at Family Bible Church are the church. Um, how we do uh, what we do and hopefully why we do it that way. Um, we, there, a lot of stuff, I, I know it seems kind of chaotic, and, and it certainly is, but the other thing that happens here at Family Bible is that we are praying that God would lead us into the places that he would have us to be and uh, to be the people he would have us to be, um, to transform us into to folks that maybe we didn't think we would ever become. And if, if, if you know me at all, and, and I know many of you are in the same boat with me, you didn't think you would end up being where you are and who you are in life. Um, and, and I certainly did not expect that I would be where I am and who I am in Christ. But it is the most uh, amazing journey you can possibly take because it reorients everything in your life. And so today as we finish up the series about why we do what we do and who we are at Family Bible Church, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And so I kind of wanted to start with a question, if you would. Uh, we've been talking a lot and we've been discussing this kind of in our small groups and stuff like that. But do, do you think... You know, in your life, are you, are you busy? You know, like, I'm busy. Corey said earlier he has a hard time with dates and things like that. Um, remembering when your appointments are, you know. Last week when I was up here preaching, my phone went off. I had an alarm on my phone on a Sunday morning. Like, that's bad form, right? I mean, you know, I should, I should not have done that. But, but that's how life happens because there's always a, a list of things to do. Is that how you live your life? A list of things to do. Well, I wonder, when we're talking about being the church, and the church is just the bride of Christ, it's the people whom God is saving through his son, Jesus Christ, and calling to himself. I wonder, do you think that, that Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, the Son of God, gave us a things-to-do list? Anybody? Do you think he gave us a list of things to do? Huh? Yes. What did he give us a list of things? Is this a long list? Because I have not a lot of time. Anybody know? Is there anywhere in the Bible where God gave us a list of things to do? I mean, and I mean us, the church, you know, as we are now, not, not maybe his, the first uh, guys he called and not maybe, you know, along the way, there's lots of things that Jesus said that we try to apply to our lives, but there are some things that Jesus said, do this. 
there's one famous verse. And, and, and uh, you've probably heard it before. And it comes in the very end of the gospel. And it's important because, you know, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. I want you to recall that, that in this time, uh, there was nothing that had to happen for God to reveal himself. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, you have two parts of your Bible. The, the First Testament, also called the Old Testament, and the New Testament, right? And it splits um, right about here in my Bible, you know? This much is the old stuff, this much is the new stuff. But this stuff didn't have to happen. As a matter of fact, if you look at the history of the Word of God, the, the revealed Scripture, the prophets had become silent. People were still doing the religion thing, but the prophets had become silent. There was no reason that people had to write good news. And so when we read the four Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are folks who experienced something that was so profound. They said, we've got to write it down because this changes everything. Okay? And the story is a story of Jesus, the Son of God. Well, the stories vary kind of as they're going along, but at the end, Jesus says something to his church. He says something to those who he's called. Do you know what he said? It's in the 28th chapter of Matthew. Now you guys are like, well, he said a lot, Bill, but th this makes sense, right? I want to push. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, there's one near you. Um, you can grab it. And on page 694, I want to read this together this morning and then talk about it a little bit. Because this is, this is a famous um, portion of Scripture that God has used to tell his church what they ought to be doing, right? To, to reveal to us what God is doing among us. And I'm just going to pick up in verse 18. You can read around it. I would encourage you to read around it. By the way, if, if uh, right under Mar uh, Matthew, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you ever want to start reading the Bible for the first time, I would recommend you start in Mark, myself. Um, some people say John too. John's a great place to start. Any place is a great place to start. But Mark is the story. It's the core. It's short. If you're like me, a short attention span, it's a great place to start. But we're going to read Matthew this morning, 28th chapter, the 18th verse. This is what the word says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, now listen to what it says, to do, to, to, to do list. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And this one statement, and if your Bible's like mine, it has a little kind of tag above it. This one statement became what's called a commission for the church of Jesus Christ. A commission. Now, I'm not sure that a commission means much to us anymore, really. Um, I think of a commission more of like you're a commission, you know, salesperson. You make money when you sell stuff. That's what a commission is to me. But a commission is actually a, an order, an instruction, but it's more than that. It's more than just a list of what you should do. A commission is a command to do something, but it's also an empowerment to do it, okay? So it works on both sides as a way to say, this is what you should do, and this is how you should do it. Or, and you can do it. You can do it because you're empowered to do it. You've been given authority to do this. It's called the Great Commission. And this time, Jesus takes and, and, and he, he appears to his disciples. By the way, I want to remember where he is in the story. We'll talk about this a little later too. But he has died and he has been raised from the dead. And even his disciples can't believe it. 
If you don't believe me, just read a few verses before in the 28th chapter of Matthew. It says, whenever Jesus appeared to them for the third time, some still didn't believe. Some still didn't believe. And so, if you're in that boat, you're in good company because the people who are with him had a hard time getting their head wrapped around what was going on with Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, who becomes Lord and Master and Sovereign, the Son of God. So, in this place, Jesus comes, and this is what he says to them. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You've heard this so much, or I have. You can almost repeat it by memory. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Okay? And so, uh, this becomes the fundamental block. You know, we spend a lot of time right now talking about what a church ought to do and not to do and how we ought to do it and not to do it. A lot of that stuff is the function of what we're doing, but the call is the same, and is this, go and disciple. Go, and the word, the, the word says go and make disciples, but it means go and disciple someone. He says go and disciple all nations, and that's our call. Now, if you're like me, and you read that, you think, well, that means you have to be a missionary. Um, all nations, we have to go to Africa. I want to go to Africa, would you like to go to Africa? Yes. Let's go to Africa. And we'll make disciples there. Do you, do you know that, that people in Africa are coming to the United States to make disciples here? Do you know that's true? That there are so many unreached people groups right here in Highland, Illinois, that there are congregations in Africa saving up their money to send missionaries to us. What? Go and make disciples of all nations, of all, the word in Greek is ethnos, of all ethnic groups. Now, I want you to remember that at this time, Jesus was a, a, a rabbi, and he was teaching within the Jewish culture. And when he starts to say things like, go and make disciples of all nations, he's saying, go and teach everyone else about me. The good news of Jesus Christ wasn't just the good news for the Jews, it wasn't just the good news for those who were the chosen few of God that this is your Messiah and you're going to rule and this is going to be it for you. But the good news was good news for the whole world. And Jesus himself says it here. All ethnos, all people groups, everyone. And so this becomes the, the primary call of the church of Jesus Christ. It's what we are to do. And I only say that because it might not, so it might not sound, um, it's not new and innovative. <clears throat> That's the problem with it. It's old school, right? Disciple making. I mean, let me ask you this. Are you a follower of Jesus? If you are, you're a disciple. We've talked before how discipling means to, to, to be a learner, to be eager to learn more. And if you're anywhere on the journey with the God who made you, you are learning more. And if you're following God himself, you'll be following his son Jesus because Jesus is God's full revelation of who he is. And so in this way, we become disciples of Jesus. We're following after Jesus. That's what we do. So in, this, in the same way we are going and making disciples of all nations, we ourselves are disciples at the same time. That's what the call is, to go and make disciples. Now, I only say this because I think many of us, and I'm one of them, right? I mean, I went to church camp whenever I was a kid. And if you know my story, um, I gave my life to Jesus, and I did. I was raised in a church serving mass, and I, 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 I did. 
you know, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. I did. I went back to camp and I rededicated. I did. And God moved. And then there was a long period where I absolutely 100% just walked away from God and the religion and the church and all that stuff because it was, it was ridiculous to me. Now here's the gospel. All of that time when I thought I am so far from God, God had not abandoned me ever, 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 ever. And that wherever you are in your walk with the God who made you, he has not abandoned you ever, 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 ever. We can turn our back on him, but he will never turn his back on us. And in this way, he pursues us and he follows us. And so this process of being a disciple is a long process. That's why I want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus today, it's not the easiest thing to do, is it? I mean, it's just the hard, it's like hard sometimes to, because you, you just, I don't know if you're like me, you feel like you get it wrong often. Oh, I screwed that up, you know. Again, the word of God is filled with grace for us because we see it even in those who are with him at this time when Jesus says, go and make disciples, there are those who are going, I'm not sure he knows what he's talking about. Jesus. So in this way, we're called, and, and I, I want to say that if all that kind of rabbit trail was about this, that, that I went and gave my life, and, and too many people in the church, too many people, you know, believe that the moment you decide to follow Jesus, I want to tell you a, a song, a, a story about a song. It's one of my favorite songs. And the song is, um, I have decided to follow Jesus. You ever heard that song before? And, and when I went to camp when I was a kid, they would play that song, and man, you would just decide, you know? And it was true. You would decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, and you would follow him, and you would go down the aisle, and you would say the prayer, and then some counselor would check your box on your card, and they would give it back to your home church. But I was a Catholic, so I didn't have a home church. They gave it to somebody who prayed for me, and it was a decision, and the church thought they were finished. Do you know what I'm saying? Done and done. Bill is a disciple. True but I wasn't done being discipled. The work of the church of Jesus Christ is to make disciples, to disciple one another, and to follow Jesus all the while we're doing it. And this is what we're called to do. And so I want to kind of, um, I, I believe that. I hope you believe that too. That, that, you know, if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, no one is going to push you to make a decision for him. Now, we want you to decide to follow him, but it's not the end goal to get you to say yes because that is the beginning of your discipleship. That's the beginning of your walk after Jesus. And so, so I want you to see that it's this long journey with Jesus, and it's a great journey, and your life will be transformed because of it. The command is go and make disciples. Now, I want to kind of show you a progression in the text this week. There's lots of ways you can look at a scripture and you can see things there. But this week, as we go forward in this little verse, what God says to do, the first thing he says about how to make a disciple is this. He says, baptize in the name, right? Every week at Family Bible, we put a little box on our card that says, be baptized, Okay, and that means water baptism here. It means we're going to try to find the body of water and we're going to put you in it and we're going to raise you up as a sign of an inward change. You've decided, it's a proclamation to the world that you are going to follow Jesus. It's one of those points in your life when you come to it, um, you just have to do it. And it becomes a line of demarcation. We talked before about Jesus' own baptism and how it became a line of demarcation in his ministry. So we have that part of it, but that's not, 
that's not adequate to cover what happens here. Because when we talk here about baptizing name, look what it says. I just want to read it again. Therefore, go and make disciples. So it's this process of discipling other nations, other people groups, right? And by the way, in the book of Acts, it's filled with disciple making. That's what it happened. If you read it, it says, we went there and made a lot of disciples. Also called church planting. That's what they were doing. So they go and they make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is what it says. Now this in the name of means more than just a name. When we baptize someone, we baptize them with the full confidence that the work that God has begun in this person, he will bring to completion and we will all be amazed. Do you know, like none of us are there going, okay, now this is done. So now a lot of churches will say, okay, you've decided to follow Jesus and now we're going to dunk you and you're in. Sit back and relax and wait for the rapture, right? (laughs) Wait to get snatched out of the airplane, you know, or whatever you want to do. Listen, it's bigger than that because it's, it's the beginning of your time of kingdom living on earth. That do you believe that if God made everything and he's redeeming your soul, he can extend his kingdom into this place we call earth? Do you know what I mean? You can taste and see that the Lord is good. You can know by your life that he is with you and journeying with you every day. I don't know how your week was. A lot of people, and this is just, a, I see this pattern. We, we had spent a lot of time at funerals this week. And I know a lot of you did at funerals this week. There are times in our life where we have to face uncomfortable and, and real truths about who we are and whose we are. You want to see how people cope with the reality of life? Show up at a funeral home or show up at a, uh, a funeral service and see what they're clinging to. I hope for you and for me that I'm clinging to Jesus at that time. I hope that by then Jesus will have discipled us at such a point through one another and his Holy Spirit. He would have got us that place that the moment we're standing on the very verge of death itself, we would say, Jesus, I'm coming to you. There's no fear in death. So this is the process of making disciples, baptizing in the name of, baptizing in the power of, and this constant dwelling with God changes us. It changes who we are. But here's the progression that I saw this week. Because you see, I told you I was a non-believer for a long time. And, and, and whenever I see the word revealed, I get so excited about it because God can use this book to transform your life. God can use your fellow believers to transform your life. And God can certainly use his Holy Spirit to transform your life forever. And so when we talk about being baptized in the name of and the power of, with the authority of, you know, this is a, a bigger than us kind of a thing. And there's some mystery here. But the first thing that he says, that Jesus says, is be baptized in the name of the Father, right? In a few weeks, we're going to do a, uh, actually in a few, few weeks, we're going to do a sermon series on prayer, which is talking to God. And when Jesus talks to his disciples about how to pray, he says, say this, our Father. It's how he tells us to address the God who made us, right? And so the first thing that we hear in this is, is to address the Father, to be baptized in the name of the Father, there's a reality that you have to face if you're serious about figuring out what life's about. And one of the fundamental questions you have to ask is this. Is there a God? Is there anything out there that's bigger than me? 
right? Is there anything, anyone, any person, any deity? I was talking to someone this week. They're talking about some things they're going through. They said, I will take that to my higher power. Now, I know some of you would gristle your higher power. What, do you have your own? You know, I got mine. You got yours. They can battle like Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, or whatever. I don't know. I mean, let's, let's, you know, they used to do it in the Old Testament, you know. Here, light the fire. Your God can light the fire, you know. Let's try that sometime. <laughs> Listen, but you know, I was encouraged by that higher power statement, not because I thought, man, your higher power and my higher power, right? We're all got the higher power, but because I thought God is moving in his life. God has at least got him to admit that he is not the highest authority he has to face. And so in his walk and his journey, God is drawing him into this conversation about who you are and who I am, and I am higher than you. And that's the first thing you have to ask whenever you're talking about uh, um, life. Is, is there anything bigger, anyone bigger than me? But Jesus turns it up a notch here because he says, and he says it with a prayer too, it's a little controversial. He says, when you talk to God, don't talk like God, whoever you are. As a matter of fact, you remember Paul went and he said uh, to the unknown God, I can tell you about that God. You know, they had a God just in case, right? Listen, Jesus didn't say, go whoever the spirit powers may be. No, Jesus said this. Be baptized in the name of your father. Of your father. Baptizing, making disciples in the name of the father. And Jesus himself, of course, there's no inner controversy. He said, I am, I am my father or one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Everything that I say to you, he has told me to tell you. That's what Jesus said about himself. And so at the end of his life, after he'd been, you know, d dead and raised from the life, and his disciples couldn't believe it, he says this, baptize in the name of the Father, your parent, the one who made you. And so this journey from lost to found, or from you know, whatever you want to say, like, I'm God to I'm not God. I mean, you know, to whatever you are, to wherever God's calling you to be, this journey starts with acknowledging a higher power, and then this higher power knows you intimately. And I know that's a big step to take, to even think, okay, so, because then we talk about prayer. Well, now you can talk to God, and that's as simple as prayer is, talking to God. And so Jesus says, baptize in the name of the Father. And this is the way we, we do this. We come to know the Father first. And then the second thing he says is, baptize in the name of the Son, right? Now here's a revelation, because you can have those first two. You can say, I know there's a God, and I know God made me. But beyond that, I don't know what's going on. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the reason that they wrote these four books called the Gospels is because they had found out something so fundamentally different they had to tell the whole world that God came in the flesh. Chris is talking about Advent. Advent means the coming. And that's exactly what was happening is that God revealed himself through a human that was his son. And in this way, the sun changes everything for us. Because it's more than just a, a mental ascent here. Because you see, all of a sudden now, you don't just have a father, you have a brother. And you have someone that's journeying with you. 
And so in this way, we, we, we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son. Now, the Son is, is really significant, and I'm telling you something you don't already know here, but the truth is that there was no peace with God. There was no way. Israel was lost. The prophets had stopped speaking because what are you going to say to people who aren't listening anymore, who have gotten it all right but all wrong at the same time? And so into this place comes Jesus Christ, the Son of God, so whenever we baptize in the power and the name, we're baptizing in a whole bunch of stuff, right? And, and I, we talk about baptism here. It's this dipping process. But you say, okay, you're baptized in the name of the Father. That's awesome. We don't baptize you three times, by the way. <laughs> we can start that. Then the second thing, in the Son, why? For the remission of your sins. Because in this act of Jesus on the cross, all our sins were forgiven. The good news of Jesus Christ isn't that you're guilty, but that you're forgiven. That's the good news of Jesus. And so this is that next step. You see, so we started here with there's a God. And then the, my God knows me. He's my father. He made me. He knit me together. And then God loved me so much. John 3.16 says that he sent his only son to die for me. To bring peace where there was none. To bring hope where there was none. To bring a way forward where I, I was completely lost and hopeless. As a matter of fact, in this place, you have to do a lot of stuff right with God. You can't get there from here. But in this place, Jesus dies and he says, I've done it. The kingdom is now. Repent and believe the good news is what Jesus said. And so we baptize in the name of the Father and in the Son. And then the last, uh, the last that he says, and it's not, but it's just this, I want to see the order, the progression here. It's baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And so I want to remember again what we're talking about is disciple making. So first you come to a belief there's a God. God knows me. Jesus died for me. And a lot of us stop right there. That's the decision card time. That's it. We're done. Check, right? Holding pattern. One of the amazing things that happened after Jesus was raised from the dead is he showed up with his disciples in a closed room. They had locked the doors because <laughs> this guy just got killed and he was their Lord and Master Rabbi. We're scared. And they got in this closed room and it says Jesus showed up there. That's, that's crazy enough that Jesus showed up there. But then it says this next step. He says he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit. And in your life as a disciple, you start over there where you don't know anything about God or anything else, and God lovingly takes you through this, this progression of relationship. I want you to see, it's not a mental checklist about, I am here, I love you, I died for you, and I'm breathing into you new life. And this place, being baptized in the name and the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes this exercise in reality right now in your life. In other words, you can go out the door today and live differently because God has breathed into you. And this is what Jesus says makes disciples. You see, you don't stop here, and you don't stop here, and you don't stop here, but you, you don't stop because this is a life eternal. This is the Holy Spirit. This is a, a new wind, a new um, life in Christ. And this is the place that we journey together as disciples, discerning the Holy Spirit together. If you don't believe me, read the book of Acts. They would get together for a meeting and they would pray a lot and then they would say, it seems good to the Holy... And they would talk, be honest, and they would say, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. This is how we should progress. And that is actually the, the form of leadership that we are attempting here at Family Bible Church to, to not make human decisions that seem right to us because we're so messed up, but to pursue Jesus and his cause and trust his Holy Spirit to reveal his plans for us. This is disciple-making. 
have we got it right? We don't have it right. <laughs> but we're going to seek the truth and try to live this out together. I don't know if you've seen that commercial on TV right now, investments and everything, right? There's that one commercial. Uh, it's for an investment company, and they have the green line that goes out the door, you know? Wouldn't it be nice if we had one of those? Like, if you, if you come this morning, you accept Jesus Christ your Savior, or you don't come and you accept Jesus Christ your Savior, because he can do it right where you're sitting, right? And you, you just say, I'm not the God of everything, and I believe you, and I trust you with everything, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pursue you, right? And then when you left service today, you walked out the door, and there was a green line that went to your car, or maybe it didn't. Maybe it went to someone else's car to talk to them. And then you got home, and it, and it didn't go in the house. It went across the street to the neighbor, or maybe it went into the house, and you called your mom. I don't know. But if there was a spirit, have you seen the commercial where the guy goes out the door and he's like halfway down the sidewalk and he sees some really cool cars? And there's this nice lady behind him and she's like, what does she say? Yeah. Stay on the line. And he goes, oh yeah, that's right. I got a, I got a plan for my life. Listen, this is the Holy Spirit of God. And, 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 and this Holy Spirit will direct your path if you're listening now. Can we walk offline? Absolutely. Is there one plan? I, I don't know. But I know this, that God is speaking into your life. And it's not just enough that you said, I've made the checkboxes, I've done this stuff, but that I'm living in him. I'm breathing the air he breathes. I'm, I'm seeing the kingdom he's making. And so when you go out, you can, you can look and you go, where's the line? Father, help me follow the line. You see, it's prayer, it's conversation. Jesus died to give us the line, to show us how to live. Not a, not a line of failure, but a line of grace that we could see how to live. So in this way, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the last part, and, and, and again, this is in the name of, in the power of, and this is all caught up in disciple making. And this is the last thing Jesus says, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And if you go through the Bible and you look for things that Jesus commanded, you know, it's a pretty short list, right? Matter of fact, there was two things he said particularly, you know, love God, love others right? But all these things happen as a disciple of Jesus, and it's all part of what we're doing and following him together. And, and we do this as a community. And so I want you to, I just hope that you know that today, that, that what we're trying to do here is eternally important. So I want to jump through here a little bit now, because the, here's the question that I want to ask, right? And I'm going to talk through some of our ministries here, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I discern is happening, but I'm not the only, I'm not like the, the mega discerner or anything. So come up and say afterwards, that ain't right. That ain't what we're doing with that, right? But I want to talk about what does discipleship look like at Family Bible Church? And I want to think about a life of a disciple. You know, one of the things that we do here that's kind of unusual is we have baby dedications at Family Bible Church. And I've had long conversations about, you know, infant baptism and baby dedication. I won't get into that. But I'm going to say that what we do, we believe with our children, our own children, my children, that we trust God with them. Because as a parent, you can't be everywhere. You can't do everything because you're not God. And so what we can do is we can totally trust God with our children. And the best time is when they're brand new because, you know, why not, right? I mean, I need help now. <laughs> you know, I'll need help later too, but I need help right now. And so we come and, um, and we dedicate them to God. Now, you know what we're saying, they're going to be yours. That's God's work. But we're going to do everything in our power to make them disciples, to help them understand. Now, how do we do this? The first thing we talked about was nursery in the back. If you don't think nursery is important— I was talking to somebody about um, their life 
and I, and, and I said, um, you know, how often does, does someone give you a hug? How often does someone touch you? Do you know in the 50s in this country, people did some crazy experiments where they like didn't touch babies to see how it would affect them? And do you know what really screwed those kids up? Do you believe that people did that? Let's put these kids over here and not touch them and see how they come out. And they came out like not good. Well, you laugh. But listen, we live in a society where I ask someone, when was the last time you had a hug? And they said, probably two to three months. You know how the kingdom of God begins? With love. You think, you think it's not important to, to hold a baby <laughs> in nursery? It's the beginning of discipleship. To, to know that someone's going to care for you. You know why we do background checks here? Not because we're afraid of being sued. We don't do background checks because, oh, we don't want to be sued because they'll ruin us. Look at us. What we got? You know, you're going to take our speakers. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Seriously, you're going to take our, take our middle school rent away? I mean, we'd be devastated if someone hurt a child here. Why? Because God loves children. And we do background checks because we want to know that the person who holds that baby says, I'm just holding you because I love you because God loves you. And it's the first experience of discipleship is love. Then we go in the back here, right? We did it this morning up here. The blast kids, they go back there and they jump around and they act crazy. Why? Because we want them to get excited about God and the things of God. Not because, you know, we live in a society where everything is overstimulated. That's not why we're doing it. Because if there's anything worth being excited about, it's that God is. That's something worth being excited about. And so you go back and you serve back there. I'll tell you something else that happens back there discipleship-wise. We have people who are back there teaching and leading activities and being helpers, and they go, I'm not qualified. I'm background checked. I'm just not qualified. And we go, yeah, I, I, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I can't do this. And we go, yeah, yeah we, we know. Because <laughs> we know God can. We've said it here before, that God can use a willing heart. God can transform a willing heart. And you go back and you lead, blast, and, you, and for the first time, maybe, you're agonizing. I have to teach these kids about, you know, what this means, about how, whatever the, 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 the material is that week. I have to teach, and you start to pray, oh, God, I can't do it. And God goes, yeah, I know you can't do it. I can. Follow me. And we make disciples. And we make disciples. So that's, that's the next step. And the, the, the kids are back there and they're growing in their relationship with God the Father. And then we do this thing here called CRABBY. CRABBY stands, by the way, BLAST stands for what? Building love and seeking truth. You know, you want to know what their mission statement is? Building love, just like nursery, and seeking truth. What's the truth of life? So we go from BLAST then to what? CRABBY. And CRABBY is uh, culturally relevant and biblically based youth. Culturally relevant and biblically based youth. I heard someone say something this week. They said, if you're a parent of a child and, and, and your child is, is 17 years old and just going completely off the deep end and you come into the church and you beg somebody to come and help you, it's too late. Now, that might sound harsh. Yeah, it's not too late. You know, pastor so-and-so can do anything, right? Send him out there. Would you please come? Listen, the reason we do youth group at a church is because we start those relationships early and we, we journey through life with them 
And you know, it takes a lot of those weekly meetings and a lot of that hangout time and a lot of soda pops and a lot of pizzas and a lot of frisbee, uh, ultimate frisbee, and a lot of that stuff that whenever they come to that place in life where there's a real crisis and a real need and they need a real friend, they can turn to someone they've known for a long time. We should be thinking about the relationships our babies will have with our youth pastor and our youth workers. This makes sense. I mean, in other words, you want to support them in what they're doing because whenever you get to that place, you're going to have someone who believes like you do whispering in their ear because our kids will not listen to us. Mine don't listen to me, you know. The older they get, they stop. They do sort of, but I mean, but really, it's, I'm, I'm personally so blessed because Corey can be there. Why? I know he's a disciple of Jesus. So that's the next step in this process because that's the time we start to process our own faith. And, and it can't be mom and dad's faith. It's got to be ours. And we need to know that the person that we have there has a trusted voice because there's all kind of voices. And that's the next step. And then, and then after that, we go to do things like called family groups. And if you're not in a family group, we kind of said earlier, um, a couple of things I'll say is, if you're not in one, I would encourage you to get in one because it's like eyeball to eyeball, right, stuff. And it's real life. We don't, we don't joke around in there. It's real life. We, we try hard not to pretend anything. We try hard not to say things like, you know, how is everything? Fine. Sometimes the whole time gets derailed because we spend it on something we didn't think we'd spend it on. But it's about being in relationship with other people who are trying to be disciples of Jesus and, and in this way being real about that. And so this is that, that other, um, another way we do it at Family Bible Church. And then we have something called community love where we go out and we serve. But I want you to see that that's kind of the progression. That's what happens. And then even we, we do things like missions, right? We do things like we go out and we, and, we, and we do things in the world. But it comes after we know Jesus and our relationship with him. So this is the progression. And then at, 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 the, at the end of everything, you become what we would call as a servant leader, right? And it means that you are in a role of authority in this church, but you're overseeing stuff because you've been doing it. We don't pick people and say, hey, he'd be a good leader. Let's put him in charge of something. We say that person is already serving and leading. Let's affirm what God's doing in them. And this is the way that Little Family Bible Church here in Little Highland, Illinois, tries to do kingdom work in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, at the end of it all, I want to show you something, if I can, if I can. And I was going to, yeah, good. Um, my illustration left for a minute, but Mike's back. <laughs> so I want to show you something that I believe fundamentally about being a disciple and how complicated or easy it is, right? And Mike, I'm going to ask you to come up real quick with me, if you would. Because Mike and I are good friends. And I'll show you how good of friends we are is that we always hold hands everywhere we go. We do. Well, actually, we, we, we hold hands, we interlock fingers. Yes, we do. <laughs> and, and everywhere we go, we walk like this. And I talk to Mike all the time. I'm like, hey, Mike. Yeah, Bill. How's things? How, you know, I got some problems, man, I need to talk to you about. I have a problem. I got some too, Bill. Do <laughs> you? And we, sometimes we skip. No, we don't yeah. skip. All right. <laughs> So this is getting awkward. Let's don't do that. Okay, so we walk like this because we're men. But anyway, um, so we walk along. And I, I, I want you to see that, that this coming to know God and coming to know his son Jesus and coming to live and dwell in the Holy Spirit is much like this. Let's walk this way, Mike. We walk over here. But Mike usually leads. And then we turn and I go, where are we going to go, Mike? And Mike goes, let's go that way. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, see, we're going to walk this way, right? I'm bigger than you now, Bill. You are. You're much bigger than me. 
No Biggest Loser jokes. Okay. Mike is Jesus. And I know him. And I talked to him. And he saved me. And we walked together. And I go, where are we going, Mike? You show me. And then what's really cool is we're, we're walking along like this. And, I, and then I, I say, hey, what's up, Chris? How you doing, man? Good. And we start talking. And then eventually Chris is like, hey, who's your friend? Who's your friend? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. this is Jesus. And then, yeah. But now I want you to see what I believe is a natural progression of disciple making because this is where we can get hung up sometimes. And I think that the end goal of making disciples of Jesus Christ, we say it's not about family Bible church, is doing this. It's going, this is my friend. Right? That's disciple making. You guys are doing good. You got your pink shirt on today too, so. All right. So, but, but I, I mean, I just, I kept seeing that. I kept seeing that. I kept seeing that our call is not to continually hold ourselves between people and God and people and Jesus Christ, but to continually do this and go, here, and I'm not saying in a weird way or in a foreign way because Chris might not be ready for that yet. He just wants to hang out with me and that's cool. But eventually when the question comes, how do you do what you do? Who's making you how you are? Why is your life so different than mine? We go, I have this friend who saved me. And that is disciple-making. Okay? So thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go to the last text. I have one more thing, but I want to wrap right there. I believe God is moving powerfully. And I think that, that that is what we're called to do as disciples of Jesus, that being a disciple ourselves, we make disciples, and that's what it looks like bringing people to Jesus and not in any kind of forced or weird way because God is doing his work, but just drawing. And when the time is there saying, this is my friend Jesus, he can change everything for you. That's the gospel. That's the good news. At the end of the other gospel of John, Jesus comes back and he sees uh, one of his favorite disciples, Peter, and the last thing he says to Peter is the first thing he says to Peter. And I want you to see that, that this process of discipleship isn't over for me or for you. Because when we're walking along with God, when we're following Jesus, it's always the same thing. And he says it to Peter at the end. You can look it up if you want. It's in the 21st chapter of John. And it's also the first thing he says to him when he's fishing in the sea. He says, follow me. Follow Jesus. And so that's our call, and that's what we're doing. And everything, and if you see something that we're doing here at Family Bible, we say, that's why we're we doing that. Let's don't. Because our call is to follow Jesus. Your call is to follow Jesus. So I'm going to ask now that, that uh, the band would come back up. We're going to do a closing hymn. But before, when they're coming up and kind of getting settled in, I want to take a minute, and I just want to ask you, who are you following in your life? Is there any power greater than you? Where, you know, we said before, if you're here, because we, we believe you're, on a, um, you're being discipled by Jesus, if you're here, that's not because we think you've all got it figured out because we don't have it figured out. But the reason we say that's because we believe that God is moving in your life to get you where you are right now. Why do we know that? Because it happened to us. God moved to get us where we are right now. And so I'm going to ask if you would pray with me. We're just going to pray that God would keep moving in your life and keep drawing you toward him and making you his disciple. Pray with me if you would. Father God, this morning we've been so um, 
awestruck by your word. And, and, and we thank you so much for the progression of love that you have showered upon us. How, no matter how far we've gone, you've been calling us towards yourself. And today, Lord, I pray that if it's time for us to take that, whatever that next step is, if it's a time for us to say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, or yes, I'm going to admit that I'm not the highest power, or yes, today, I'm going to breathe the Holy Spirit. I'm going to receive it from you. I pray you're, you would do that work, and you'd have your way, and then in everything, may our lives be just a response to you, and in everything that we do, may we be talking to you about it first. We thank you for the ministries you've given this church. We pray, Lord, that we would do justice to the gospel, that we would speak it sufficiently, that we would love people the way you love them. So today, Father, we give you all these things. We know you're working. We trust you with that. And uh, whatever you want to do, we ask you to do it in our hearts now. We pray these things in the mighty and the holy name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.